That's a growler. Welcome back to Beauty and the Beastly Minute, the podcast where we break down and analyze Beauty and the Beast, one unbelievable surprise at a time. I'm Bobby from Growler Media. And I'm Janae from JanaeHyatt.com. And we have with us once again, we're very excited, Tierney from the Never Ending Minute podcast. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me back today. Woohoo! We're glad to have oh, you. This is such an exciting minute. <laughs> the big I think reveal. she's excited. Maybe. I, I don't well, know. <laughs> I am, but I'm also, I, I know we want to get into this, but can we just take a minute to appreciate that this entire scene is less than a minute? Like, we move on to a different scene in this minute. I know, right? <laughs> For how culturally significant and how much everyone talks about this is like, the library, it's very short. Hey, right? This is like 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a great 30 seconds, but... Well yeah, worth I, the 30 seconds. Yeah, in my mind, this was this huge thing that just went on and on. <laughs> and that is a beautiful segue because <laughs> today we are starting minute 51, which starts off with Beast running to throw open some curtains and ends with Belle looking doubtfully to her left with a spoon poised at her lips. Um... I I love when he leaves her to go open the drapes because he's like, okay, stay here. And then he like runs off and you can see him. He's not like walking and he's not running, but like because I don't know. It's just really funny the way he runs over to the drapes, first of all. And second of all, I love how she reacts to the drapes being opened in mm-hmm. like she can feel and feel the sun and see the light even though her eyes are closed and she reacts to it and is drawn to it in a way and i'm sure she's just getting more and more excited as and interested as he's opening those drapes oh just yes the anticipation uh and it gets then the music is swell you know there was that little bit of music and now it's i love that the library Basically gets the hero music yes. <laughs> from this movie. I, I was looking up the composer and was like, I'll make it thank you. Because not only did you basically score the Disney Renaissance, but you also knew that this moment really needed to be as dramatic a reveal as possible. Well, it matches the grandeur of the room. Mm-hmm. Okay, so as much as I love this, this is completely unrealistic. <laughs> like, is it though? Is it? The part I mean, where it's 12 shelves high? Yeah. Um, It's is... way more than 12. Well, no, I'm saying on the upper level. <laughs> so I counted and uh, you have from the floor to the first mezzanine, you have seven shelves. Okay. And then from the first mezzanine fine. to the second, you've got seven. And then for some reason, from the second mezzanine <laughs> to the ceiling, you have 28 shelves uh, i was yeah. gonna say it's way that's more than too 12 many that's too many it's like how do you even get up there i took a <laughs> screenshot of second 17 in this minute and there's like the drapes going all the way up and you can see that top tier and there's like this teeny tiny rickety ladder going <laughs> one of the <laughs> things all the way to the top and i was like i feel like they might have sent like servants up that ladder to get 
the books that they want because that's just like way too life risking. <laughs> yeah, that is insanely for, unsafe. For royalty to be up on that ladder risking their lives to get a book. This is ridiculous. And even even for huge collection, this is way too many books for this era. <laughs> like, yes. It's just, I mean... Even the universities with the largest book collections in the world, I feel like, would not have 28 shelves on the upper level that go all the way around. Yeah, but they have their books spread out through, like, rooms and rooms and, like, different levels and stuff. Tierney, have you heard of the uh, Trinity College Library in Dublin? I haven't been there, but I I have a friend who told me it smells amazing. So I feel like that's the library that they looked at when they drew this room because it is just like shelves and shelves, super high, tons of books. And uh, I mean, it's not this many shelves, but (laughs) apparently there's like six million books in that library or six million volumes. I don't know if there's a difference between a book and a volume, but uh, yeah, big library. I just love this. And it has my absolute favorite thing, which are the stairs up to the mezzanine, well, the second level of the mezzanine. I love any any library that has that, where it's like, oh, go, and it's a spiral staircase. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are really loose spirals, but there's something about going up a spiral staircase to the second level of your library that just, like, <laughs> is my dream. <laughs> Amen. And it looks oh. like in, in second 21, you've actually seen there are, like, two spiral staircases and then, like, the back and forth yeah. staircases, and mm-hmm. it's intense. It's so good. So cool. I wonder how long it's been since those drapes have been opened, because if you didn't read that much, you probably didn't go in the room that much, and I would think that they would keep the drapes closed to protect the books from the sunlight, so... Yeah. they would. I wonder how dusty it was. So, no, but this is my thing. I think... All right, and this is my own theory that I came up with when we were talking about the books on the table and stuff. I think he cleaned this, like, this room has been cleaned since the spell was put on. Because we've seen parts of the castle that have not been kept up. Right. And Mm -hmm. they don't look like this. So I think, you know, maybe this is later that, because she's still wearing the same outfit. But I think enough time has passed, like, Lumiere came up with this idea the beast agreed to it. They immediately set people to work. Like, okay, you got to clean like, it up. Let's go clean right now. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the the way this looks and the fact that he, and the fact that he's able to open those drapes and the sun is coming through and the window isn't all grimy and stuff. I think that means that he sent people ahead. Like, quick, 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 go, 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 shine that floor. Yeah, I think so. It's got that. Uh, quick, mom's coming. Let's clean it up. feel to it well i love that when she's looking around at all the books and she walks around him he's like following her as she circles around him and trying to like you know absorb all her excitement for this so much this was my favorite backdrop at beauty and the beast on ice they had the library and i remember it being huge because this little kid was just like oh it's so many (laughs) (laughs) more books than bella's ever seen in her life I love his voice in this minute, too. Like, just that moment when he tells her to look now, his Mm. voice is so deep and velvety there and just, like, more human probably than lots of the things that he said in the past. But, ugh, Robbie Mm. Benson, his voice. (laughs) So amazing. (laughs) 
I just love that it breaks her. It reminded me of um, an early episode of Gilmore Girls where they go to visit Harvard and Rory mm. sees the it sees Widener Library, which is the huge one, and it just she's just like staring slackjawed at it. It was like, but it's she's so like, many. actually, I could go here just for this. <laughs> I just love. Well, her response was like, "I'm stupid. I haven't read enough. There are so many books in there that I haven't read." But right. I love that she Bell kind of has that moment of like, wow, like, you, and that's why every librarian remembers this because not only does the library get the hero shot, but the, you then get that long moment of her just like soaking it all in. Yeah. That's so good. And then just to ruin it, I'm so confused. I'm like, like, just to throw cold water on the moment, you know, she, he, she says how much she loves it. And he goes, then it's yours. I'm very confused. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, what do you mean that it's yours? This is just a room in the castle. Also, how long have you known she liked books and this has just been closed off? <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Maybe. Well, he didn't know she liked books. Lumiere knew because she okay. got excited about seeing the library before. Mm-hmm. So we can excuse him on that. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But but I had the same question. It's like, okay, what does it mean? He gives her the library. Yeah. That's a nice gesture. But she can't take the library with her. I mean, she can't leave the castle. She's still... well. I guess she can. I don't know. Can she now? Because she could have left, but then she decided to stay. But then later on, he gives her permission to leave. So I guess technically yeah. she still can't leave the castle. So he's like, it's yours. But okay, if it's not hers, she can still go in there and read the books, I'm assuming. Well, I feel like he's kind of basically saying, this is your domain. This, like, I mean, you know how he has the West Wing? She's not allowed no. to go there. She doesn't go there. That is his domain. That is where he is the boss of that area. I kind of feel like that's what he's saying here. He's like, okay, you, I mean, obviously she can go wherever in the castle except for the West Wing, but mm-hmm. he's basically saying, this is your domain now. I'm giving it to okay. you. You are the master and purveyor of this room. And... You can do whatever you want here. Like, it's yours to do what you want with, basically, is what I got from it. How funny would it be if she turned her like, okay, and then just, like, shoved him out of the room and <laughs> sat down and read. It was just like, oh. <laughs> he said it was mine. Oh. <laughs> the Thanks, next few minutes bye-bye. of the movie are him trying yeah. to get her attention as she's reading <laughs> books all the time. <laughs> yeah, she should have a book with her at every moment for the rest of this movie. <laughs> It actually would kind of make sense with what she, like, did at the beginning because (laughs) she's, like, sitting there talking to Gaston and she's, like, just got her nose in the book ignoring him. She's got her (laughs) nose in the book while she's, like, getting the stuff from the lady in the basket. Like, there's a lot of times she's just got her nose in that book and doesn't pay attention. That she can carry on most functions while reading. I know. (laughs) She wouldn't even have to be ignoring him. She could just be like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. But But she's reading. And then he has to pull the mom card and institute a no books at the table rule, like mine. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But yeah, I Lumiere says he knew it would work, and that led to a lot lot more questions of like, is he the one who really understands her? But I I like your idea of it's just because Lumiere is like I mean, he knows her because he's talked to her, so he knows what she's interested in. Yeah. But the fact that he's so good with, like, how do you impress a girl is just because he would be good with how to impress any girl. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's what I think. He's he's Dr. Love. He's, like, Will Smith (laughs) (laughs) of this movie. (laughs) He is Hitch. He's Hitch. So I did want to talk about the room a little bit before we leave the library. Okay. 
we have again here like um, above the fireplace you've got the big old picture that looks pretty cool and a bunch of books on there and we again have the big shield up there with the saxony eagle crest that we've seen a few times throughout the throughout the castle so that's kind of cool that they have the consistency to keep bringing that in and then on the table next to bell when she first opens her eyes there are some books and they have these like mermaid with a uh what's that thing called a the three-pronged spear trident? thing trident, trident. Oh, yes you got the mermaid guy with that. a trident and yeah. i'm wondering if that is king triton hey. as the book stops on the table because this is a year or two after the little mermaid came out so yeah. dun, dun, dun. that cannot Throwback. be a coincidence <laughs> mm-hmm Disney doesn't do coincidence. And then the only other thing I really noticed of significance besides like the millions of books in the room is that we still have like a lot of not gargoyles, but I guess people statues around the room, like holding up the stairs and stuff. Um, But they're not as creepy in here. They're definitely, you know, still being like crushed by the stairs. It's not like the creepy, creepy, creepy was (laughs) the rest of the castle. And you know, this isn't. (laughs) A c- one thing I noticed when they do the wide shot with them in front of the fireplace is this is not a cozy library. Because no. if you think about it, the only furniture in here is the globe and the desk. There might be two desks. I'd have well, to look at the different angles. But There's two mm. desks, but there is a sofa and a chair right by that fireplace. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, but there is so much Other than that, space yeah. in here. Yeah. <laughs> like, so what do you? what would you recommend as a librarian? What kind of furniture would you put in there? Ooh. Um, see, I very much am a fan of, like, the British club libraries where, like, you've got the thick carpet and a bunch of wingback chairs and yeah. <laughs> uh, sit there and, like, have it cozy. I do like I do like that you mentioned, like, maybe the drapes are kept closed when no one's in there to protect the uh, spines from sunlight damage. Because mm-hmm. uh, light damage is definitely a huge factor in a lot of libraries. Um, I think it's just the fact that it's that wide expanse of stone floor. Where I'm just like, you could just start the ballroom dance now, guys. Like, <laughs> this room is so huge. That feels like it would not be out of place. Yeah. And I guess it makes sense that, you know, like I said, they have the place to sit in front of the fire, which is excellent so you have a place to sit comfortably and read and there probably was just one person who had their desk and like that was their workspace there's a window seat too i noticed Mm. oh i love window seats i do too yeah i'm trying to think i mean modern libraries would be like oh you need a bing beanbag chair or whatever the cool (laughs) new teen room thing is but i think it's just that there's so much room because they wanted to give you the height like the scale of this room is insane yeah mm-hmm. yeah like i feel is. like in a, if this was a balanced building architecturally this would have to be opposite the ballroom because what else would be the size right that's really <laughs> well good they point. definitely didn't have a very good uh, floor plan when they were designing the castle so <laughs> who knows where this thing is <laughs> Although, to be fair, that feels more realistic <laughs> that you would just start building and then be like, oh, right. Well, we'll just put that over here. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So are we ready to move out of the library? I know it's... Let's get out of there. Okay. We can still see the library. We can still see the library. <laughs> we can still admire it from our view. But we have to enjoy uh, Mrs. Potts' parent move of completely ignoring all her kids' questions. 
Always. That's all she ever does. I did think it would be really weird to always have people watching you, like always have the servants there watching you or spying on you because they pretty much always are. You know, they're... Mm. Ah, that would just make me really nervous all the time. But I guess that's kind of, you know, life as a I, royal. I was just going to say, is that an upper class, that you know, thing of servants of like, oh, they're always there and you don't even realize it. I think so. In, in the mystery novels, that's how the servants always know what's going on. Cause yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Servants know everything. That's why I can't ever be royalty. <laughs> Well, I just love how they're like... the only reason. (laughs) They just are all heaving this huge sigh of relief. I mean, one of them says... Oh, Cogsworth says, it's very encouraging. Lumiere's like, it's on me. I did it. You're all welcome. (laughs) And Cogsworth is like, well, it's encouraging. He's not like willing to commit that everything's set. And then Chip is like... I don't get it. What is going on? (laughs) And he's just so irritated because everybody's ignoring him and they're all excited and happy. And she's like, time to get back to work. And he's like, what the? Come on. (laughs) What chores do I have to do in the kitchen? It's weird because as a child, Chip was beloved. I mean, my best friend named her Cat Chip after this Chip. (laughs) (laughs) She she had Chip everything. Chip was our favorite character. What? Toys, stuff, everything. Yep. Kind of whiny, but I don't know if I've just like gotten too old and my heart has shrunk three sizes or what. I just think he's so cute. He doesn't, I mean, he kind of does have a bit of a twang in his voice that kind of does, I can hear like, the whininess that you would think. Yeah. But I guess it doesn't come across as whiny to me, but maybe that's because I haven't heard him asking me those questions in that voice <laughs> for 10 years. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Or I need to watch this more and more so that you just like internalize it so much of like, that's just what Chip sounds like. Well, like, and then it doesn't bug you anymore because you're used to it. <laughs> I think for him, he doesn't bother me. But there's other characters where like Elmo, I can't stand Elmo. No matter how much I listen to Elmo, I hate <laughs> Elmo's voice because it's annoying. But I guess to me, Chip's voice just isn't annoying. I think it's cute. <laughs> I could see how you like it could be obnoxious. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. But it yeah. doesn't bother me too much besides that he's just... Yeah. I, I think they were definitely playing to the children in the audience, giving them something to relate to and like not really understanding what's going on with all these adults all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the adults completely ignoring you and not explaining. <laughs> can you imagine how excited they would be, though? Like, in front of their eyes, this miracle is taking place, like, this person this beast who they've known for years and years and years is finally like changing and there's new life in the castle i mean can't really blame them too much for not paying too much attention to him because they're a little caught up in what is going on and they're like okay well we got to get back to work but they're like so excited because they have this little bit of evidence to fuel the hope that they've been clinging on to so i always mix up chips lines here and then when they're leaving the ballroom like because it's such a similar scene and it's the same characters (laughs) involved and Mm -hmm. you know something that i know he's there because the kids relate to him and the kids love him and it's a disney movie and that makes sense it's really inappropriate that chip is in and all this (laughs) like the fact that lumiere and cogsworth are spying on like oh how'd it go over did she like it okay fine why is chip always like also spying on them. He's a child. He's the tag along. He doesn't understand what's going on. I yeah. I mean, I he's the little brother that just 
gets in everyone's way and under everyone's oh, feet. That's true. You know, but everybody loves him. Because I was thinking as like, oh, he's with his mom. She's singing about them falling in love. And then she says, I'll tell you when you're older. That's kind of weird. But if you think of him as more <laughs> like, I mean, he's not a little brother, but kind of, you know, the little substitute brother to Lemire and Cogsworth. Somehow in my brain, that makes it much, much better. <laughs> That's funny. Well, and if I'm not mistaken, originally he wasn't really supposed to be in the movie as much as he is. Right. And then Bradley just did such an amazing job with the voiceover that they made up stuff for him <laughs> to, to keep being in the movie. So Because he's so cute. I, I would be interested to see what he was originally supposed to say versus what he actually does. And I should probably hmm. check the screen play, but uh, <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> These things happen. <laughs> We've got some more movie. I'm sure there'll be plenty more time. Yep. <laughs> He's in a few more scenes later on. So I did have a note that apparently Belle likes her uh, malto meal the same way that my wife Carrie does. <laughs> Very sugary. Which is like 50% sugar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See, That's a note I made too. I was like, wow, that is a lot of sugar. It, it <laughs> is, but I love it because we get a good view of the sugar bowl who I think is related to the sugar bowl and the sword and the stone. I know. I love that they, sugar they bowl. They scoop the same way. <laughs> this is the better behaved relative. <laughs> the better behaved, <laughs> yes. That's... Well, Tony Bancroft did say they pretty much just copied that sugar bowl to make these sugar bowls. I mean, it makes so. sense. It's yeah. a yeah. moving personality fold sugar bowl. So. I love that sugar bowl. So in good. the in the sword and the stone this one doesn't have near as much personality but yeah see here sugar bowl you are getting rough <laughs> anyway sorry i i won't launch into song i'll say that for after <laughs> especially since it's not even a song from this movie so i i will restrain myself but yeah that's one of my favorite disney movies of all time so anytime i see a little thing that reminds me of it. It makes me happy. And also it's part of the era of Disney that's not as universally beloved as these movies are. So I kind of like that even in the, oh, this is the new era when Disney got good again and they were putting so much more into production and they weren't just Xeroxing things. And it's like, yeah, but it's still Disney. It still looks like the Sugar Bowls in earlier Disney movies. Yep. Gotta love those dark era movies. <laughs> I do love most of those. Yeah. My favorites come out of it because my, my all-time favorite is Robin Hood. Yes. I mean, how is that from the dark era? I don't understand. Yeah. And then my runners up were Sword in the Stone and Jungle Book. So I am I know. solidly in there. <laughs> me too. Me too. Definitely some good ones. <laughs> I wanted to comment on some of the color scheme for this scene. I think it's okay. interesting that they're like clothing color choices so they go in the um library he's wearing black pants white shirt and a blue cape and she's wearing the green dress and then when they go into the breakfast room lunch what are they eating i don't know what they're even eating but i'm guessing it's breakfast a different breakfast. day a different day and okay, i have a breakfast. question about that but yes <laughs> so they're eating breakfast and he is now wearing green and she's wearing like the red pinky dress and then the colors in the room are all red and green. I don't know what that means, but I just thought it was something really interesting that I had <laughs> never noticed before that I was like, and by the way, the drapes and the carpet are red, but the marble flooring, the hard marble flooring is green. Mm -hmm. I was like, wait, that's green marble? That doesn't make any sense, but See, okay. I didn't pick up on him. I noticed that she was color coordinated to the room. He I is too. He he's wearing too. green. Wow. Mm -hmm. He's wearing green and the marble is green. I was like, whoa. 
Is it Christmas? And then they've got like Christmas trees with snow outside the windows. I was like, <laughs> oh, are they doing that on purpose? Hmm. I don't know. I just yeah. thought it was very interesting color choices and coordinating that he was wearing green when in the scene before she was wearing green. Yeah. What started me on that track. Yeah. And the room, like the, because the palette shifts so much, like the library is greens and Blue, blues, blues and turquoise blue, and yeah and, tan yeah and then this room is this room feels so pink in comparison yeah it's very no i i think it's breakfast and then i have a slight issue because who sips their oatmeal out of the spoon yeah <laughs> like i mean i'm not saying i eat it like the beast does here but it is a it is a soup noise that bell makes like yeah, I always thought like they were eating soup. Like you obviously see <laughs> the breakfasty malto meal porridge, whatever that stuff is. Yeah. But the 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 spoon slurping does yeah. make it seem maybe like she soup. just got a spoonful of milk or cream. They did just pour cream mm. all over that thing. Maybe she just didn't e- get any I of the or Belle malto are meal. Making breakfast wrong. <laughs> Maybe they were like, I feel like this needs a sound because it doesn't really look right without a sound. What should we do? Well, this we've got this sound and we've got to get it done by tomorrow. So let's yeah. just use it. I, I think it really was the case of, you're right. They probably like, we need a sound. What sound do you make when having porridge? Well, you mm. don't. <laughs> So they're like, okay, what sounds do you make when eating from a spoon? We're well, going to go with that. The weird thing is, is that they specifically drew her sipping. They didn't draw her, like, putting it in her mouth to take a That's bite. True. Yeah. That's why they had to have a sound. And there's a bread basket right here. What's wrong with the bread basket? Nothing. It's making me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I want some so bread, So I did have okay? to look up. There is, in, in Beauty and the Beast 2, The Enchanted Christmas, oh, no. that went straight oh, to video 97. So but uh, yeah, apparently it, it takes place during this like scene-age time period. They're, I don't know, yeah. getting ready for Christmas or something. What? So it is Christmassy time. What? Yep. My, uh, my sister is, so I am a child of the 80s, but my sister is 70 years younger than me. So she had Beauty and the Beast 2, The Enchanted Christmas on <sighs> tape. We watched it a lot. Yeah, I I feel like I got to have, I really got to experience two eras of childhood stuff. Like I mm-hmm. got to get super into the Nicktoons era because she was into it. And then a, a Disney movies kept going a lot longer for me than they did for most people my age. So mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed it. that was not one of the winners. Although, oh, what is the name of the, she was obsessed because she's a music person. Um, the harpsichord and the opera singer. She was obsessed. Oh man, it's all blurring together. In what? Of directed what? Disney. Of what are you I thought about? it was in. I thought it was in Beauty and the Beast too, but I'm wondering the if new it's one? like no, no, no. Um, because the new one's the opera singer. I well, thought... there was no, there was no woman who was in the magic Christmas whatever one it is. No, that one, <laughs> that one had a, a flute and a. That was the that one had. A fife and a pipe organ. Maybe the pipe organ is what I'm thinking of. The pipe organ was voiced, I think, by Tim Curry, who is, like, the most amazing voice also. Yeah, that's got to be what I'm thinking of. He's got, like, a deep, creepy, scary voice. So good. (laughs) I mean, it's not. It's not nearly as good as this. I should not be saying good. Yeah, this is so terrifying. Why did we watch this so much? (laughs) 
<laughs> well, bringing it back to this movie. <laughs> yes. My last note in this minute is about the look that Mrs. Pot gives. She's looking at Beast like, oh, I can't believe you're doing this. <laughs> and then she looks over and the look on her face as she goes to look at Belle, it's pretty much just saying, oh, did you see that? Sorry, he has no manners. It's kind of cute though, right? That's why we like him. Kind of cute though, right? <laughs> Oh, That's basically what I get from her look. I oh love that. That is. I'm frozen so on second fifty six, and the combination of her and Chip is just so adorable. Or <laughs> even Chip is like, dude, no. <laughs> <laughs> I love though the beast. If you look at his face when it's like filled with all that food and everything, <sighs> he his eyes look like not his normal eyes. They look just kind of like. Dead and droopy. His eyes. He's in beast mode eating that. Yeah, he's in beast mode. His eyes look kind of dead and droopy. And then, like, his uh, cheeks are completely filled with food as well as (laughs) covered with food. And he just, like, can't even, like, he's not even there. He's, like, not even realizing what he's doing, I think, which makes it all the more. Aw. And then she's just like, uh, well. I. That's what her face says to me. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, all. Exactly. Let me, let me think about. It. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I just keep going back to Mrs. Pot. Kind of cute, right? Face. <laughs> kind of cute, right? <laughs> <laughs> and Chip. Chip is just looking at her with like the saddest little kid. Fa- you know, the most pleading little kid face that Disney has ever drawn. <laughs> A little pouty loop. Mrs. Like, Pot's eyebrow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. They're trying. They're trying to make it work. Yeah. <laughs> Chip's obviously caught on enough. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's all the notes I have. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, then that wraps up another great minute of Beauty and the Beast. If you want to get a hold of us before the next one comes out, be sure to head over to our social media pages and let us know what you think. If you agree or disagree with anything we've said, we'd love to hear it. Uh, You can find us by searching Beastly Minute pretty much everywhere or anywhere. And uh, we'll be happy to talk to you. If you want to speak to me specifically, head over to growlermedia.com. You'll find my email address there to send me an email. Let me know uh, what you got on your mind. Janae, how can people talk to you? As always, you are welcome to get a hold of me through my website, janaehyatt.com, where you can listen to my voiceover demo as well as portfolio and you can shoot me an email from the website as well so love to hear from you i'd love any jobs if anybody needs a voice for something you can call me (laughs) you can email me (laughs) and tierney if people don't remember from last episode how to get a hold of you what's the best way to do that sure um i'm on twitter and instagram at one steel sister and there i have links to both of the movies by minute podcasts i'm involved with one's the never ending minute about the never ending story and that's also at growlermedia.com and the other is returntooozminute.com and both of those 
will be completing soon. So if you haven't been listening, you can catch up. If you are a listener of the Never Ending Minute, uh, please also give us reviews because during our last week when we're covering the credits, we are going to read reviews on air. Oh, fun. Uh, so Thomas has been collecting those. So get them in in time and you could hear them read on air. And yeah, I mean, doing these podcasts has just been absolutely amazing to get into. It's such a fun community and getting to know so many different people and getting to bug Bobby by being like, I'm working on it right now. I know you needed it yesterday, <laughs> but I'm, I'm typing. Hear me typing. <laughs> so yes, thank you for all your patience this summer. We've had so much fun doing that. There's been a lot of book talk. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel very at home in this minute. And thank you so much for having me on, you guys. This is so, like, oh, there's just something about a Disney cartoon or a Disney animated movie that is just, like, you just want to curl up with a blanket and, like, a cup of cocoa and watch the movie. <laughs> Indeed, especially when it's all snowy outside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and if anyone gets in touch with you about what Bill is eating and uh, why it might be Slurpee. Please please keep me updated on that. <laughs> <laughs> will do, will do. <laughs> All right. Well, then we just want to thank Duo Hansen. Check them out on YouTube. They do our music for us, and we're very grateful for that awesome intro and outro music, which you will be listening to shortly. So until next time, what are they talking about? What's going on? Come on, Mom. Elmo, I can't stand Elmo. No matter how much I listen to Elmo, I hate Elmo's voice. See here, Sugar Bowl, you are getting rough. There is, in, in Beauty and the Beast 2, The Enchanted Christmas. Oh, God, I haven't watched that so long. I'm keeping your bones.